Oh, it's that time. It's a little extra Lambo. Coming to you live from the Palatial Podcast Studios right here on the South Hill, Spokane, Washington. How is everybody doing? Thank you for coming on to the show today. I know you all hit that like button and got the notifications that the show came out. If you didn't, go to the home screen, hit that subscribe button, hit the follow button, and then turn on that little icon for the notifications. It'll pop right up in the top right-hand corner, left-hand corner of your phone when the new show is produced. It really helps me out, gets the algorithms going, as well as uh, able to track for marketing and uh, and our sponsors. So do me a favor, help me out with that. Um, today's show... We pre-recorded, I made some, as you guys saw the, the Facebook post, uh, made some badass steaks, uh, made a nice meal out of it. We had a, uh, a friend of mine, Justin Cox, he's a firefighter here in Spokane, Washington. Um, grew up here, was born and raised, uh, was in the military, but 13-year firefighter career. Uh, he was over in the Puget Sound area, moved back, now he's a husband with two boys, and we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, it was a great show, and uh, very happy to have him come on. It was a spur of the moment. I know we're working on this preparedness series um, that I'm gonna that I'm gonna talk about a little bit here in a second. But you know, we're working on the bug out bags and the preparedness and and getting all that stuff. I was able to sneak him in for a show. He's you know he's a busy guy, um, baseball, kids, wife, career, and. He was free, so boom, let's do a show and get him over here. I've been I've been asking him to come on for a while. Um, my best friend Brooks is here as well, so we were able to, um, you know, talk about uh, uh, doing some fly fishing. We're gonna set up a nice little trip with the boys here coming up soon. So we're uh, we're gonna have some fun, and and it's good to have you know we play in the inland Northwest Men's Baseball League. Uh, we are very competitive. We have our teams, and, and we and love to get on the field and compete. But it's these relationships outside of the field. And everybody, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of guys on, on all the other teams. And it's cool because now we can get onto the field and play ball. We know who we're playing against. And there's that there's that little rival, rivalry, the, that little uh, – uh, competitive edge that you're looking for so you know it's fun um he's a good dude you're gonna like the show uh again six years in the military thank you for your service and then 13 years um as a uh firefighter first responder responder emt um thank you for your service for that as well stud and uh what do we got coming up we have the preparedness um again we've got um some guys coming on that they do not want to give their name. They do not want to give their rank. But these guys are badasses. They are um, trained in survival. They're, they want to come onto the show and talk about that, that aspect of a natural disaster, of last-minute preparations for getting out of town. You know, we talked about the bug-out bags. We've, uh, we're going to dive into that again and, you know, go over a couple more bag uh, scenarios. But um, just, just being ready, preparedness. And I'm very excited for this series. Um, I'm going to have uh, probably three or four shows about that. Share these shows. Um, I don't, uh, not, not. I don't, I don't ask you guys to do much. But these shows, I feel they will be important to help out your neighbor, to help out your family, to help out your friends. 
please share these shows. You can uh, go however you look. Um, we just got picked up by Stitcher. Um, I think I talked about that on the last show. Got picked up by Stitcher. That is huge. That is huge. That is another major podcast plat- platform that I am more, I'm so excited to be a part of and and get the show out there for more, more people to listen to. So um, there's a little icon. It's just share share a little button that you can then post on the Facebook, post on the Twitter, post on the Instagram and get the, sh- get these shows out there. These preparedness, the bug out bags, the survival, um, shows that we're going to do, share them, share them for your family, for your friends and just whoever needs to listen, whoever is in that camp, like-minded people helping out line, like-minded people and get those shows out there. Can't, can't, uh, ask you to do those enough. Um, I really appreciate it. So um, those who have already shared the the bug out bag, um, thank you very much. Um, We're going to do that. I'm going to do a show um, after that. I'm kind of working on it now um, about the story of when I got catfished. Um, It's a long, drawn-out story that became kind of a detective uh, feel to it so I'm kind of working on that right now kind of drawing it out and filling in the the blanks as I remember um things start coming back in oh no that happened before this and oh no I need to move this up to here and you know just making sure I got my timeline right it's fucking it's a crazy story um and it's a crazy story so uh the time I got catfished um so where I'm gonna do that as a show and it's gonna be fun might have uh some some whiskey uh being drank while we're doing it and I might have a friend here um as well just to kind of be a hype man and maybe ask some questions or something I don't know we'll figure something out but I got that show coming up as well but it's gonna be a good one um it's a it's a crazy unbelievable story but it is my story, and it's it's rather it's rather uh, painful and comical all at the same time. So, but uh, you know, uh, with uh, the preparedness, have that serious, and then we have a little comic comedic relief uh, added onto it. So, uh, today's show uh, again, Justin Cox, firefighter, thirteen year career, um, good dude, good family man, better ball player. And it's a pleasure to take the field with him and compete against him on the field. So we kind of talk about it all. Um, I guess uh, hit that like button for me. Hit that download. Hit the subscribe button. And hit that notification tab. So without further ado, I give to you Justin Cox. Top left already, jeez. Uh, well, there's Chipper. There's Bo Jackson. Oh, I got Bo no Diddy. Bo. Griffey. Nice. Yeah, you'll like, you'll like those. Oh, yeah. And the hard Bo cases. Dude, that guy was a fucking beast. Look at his thighs. <laughs> Bo Jackson. I wonder how many kids he made while he was in. He makes arrows now. Arrows? He makes bow hunting arrows. Um, you know those you know those Auburn girls. I think the last mm, pack of Chipper Jones. Bought, dude, he, looks like a baby. he can still go out and rake. 
had to have been in like 99 or something. So what's your format when you uh, have your videos with your boy? You just like open up a pack and just start talking? Yeah, we open up. So the one pack, two pack is we open up a pack of cards from my day. Mm -hmm. And then we open up a pack of cards from today. So the 2000s-ish. Um... And then we just, I just open them up and, and I just read them off of who's all in there. And if somebody interesting is in there, then um, we'll pull it out. I'll have a story about that player or about the cards themselves or a memory of mine growing up. And then when we open up the new ones, um, we just kind of talk about the players of today. And he has his own just from playing MLB, you know, the show. He'll have his insight. Yeah. And then 12 minutes later, that's the show. You remember, like the you always look for the imperfections, the the error cards. Yeah, like Don Russ had a bunch of those, like these ninety Don Russ. The the the, the Cal cards. the Billy Ripken, the sure Billy Ripken card. Is that the baseball bat one? Yeah, the baseball yeah. bat one. <laughs> well, yeah, on the Don Russ, like the errors that you to look at, like the Don Russ through the names, like uh, like this one back here. So this ninety Don Russ. Yeah. They would have a line, like the black line would be... Oh, it would go all the way through. The oh. Yeah. Bone. <laughs> you know, he's partially blind in... Yeah, of, that's why that's he had why to have the open like stance. That. Yeah. That's just freaking nuts. See, that guy would hit the ball. There was a guy that played on the Rage a couple years back. He had one eye. He could throw gas. Pitched with an eye patch on. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh? Yeah, we called him Pirate. Okay. He's a good dude. Oh, you were saying that down in Arizona? Yeah. The dude, guy named Pirate. That dude was awesome. You got some good cards here, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That I think that what you're looking at now, I spent, we so we talked about that whole pack on a, on a podcast. Yeah. I spent a, uh, spent a pretty penny buying those cards. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe it. Because looking at it, I'm like, you could sell these for a pretty yeah, and, and baseball cards are hard to find. Like it's starting, they're starting to come around again of um, value and, and people collecting them and popularity. Cards went to the decline when they went virtual. They didn't have cards. It was yeah. all, it was all uh, online. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, and companies lost money, so they started printing again. And then, and then COVID hit. So now we got to figure out something within COVID to keep us busy again. It was baseball cards. Yeah. Baseball cards, Pokemon cards. What is that? Dungeons and Dragons or, or uh, which, uh, what the fuck is that? Uh, magic, magic, magic cards, all of them. And you go to any, any store, they're in there for about four or five hours and they're gone. Pokemon cards. Pokemon. It's just anything to, you know, it's anything just to keep your, your mind busy, you know, while we were all quarantining. Yeah. So we, uh, we, uh, try to go somewhere. We go to Target to try to go somewhere to buy or Walmart or whatever to buy baseball cards. And I can't do it. I've got to order them all offline, which is challenging in its own. Cause <laughs> well, I think he hit. 500 and something, didn't he? What's in the big glass one? That you got in your hand. What? The, oh, 
fancy. Oh, it's probably screws. Griffey. It's probably oh, Griffey. Yeah, I got that the one. the 49T or T49. Oh yeah. Got that was the 89 tops. Yeah. I've I've got like 3 of those now. I do not have the up 89 upper deck. That's I used Still to have that. do not have the 89 That's upper deck. That's the whole reason like I bought the full set of the 89 upper deck and then my mom got rid of it. No. We got the 91. Oh, is that 91? Okay. I was wondering the 89 tops. Yeah, yeah, no, we've already gone through there, and then some of them are still in numerical order. So, I, trying to figure out which ones I'm missing became pretty easy when. Okay, I was like, which one had the gum? Yeah, the gum. So, so we the very first on that gum. Yeah, no. So the very first show that we did, Brandon's like, I want the gum. I go, really? You want to eat it? And you can hear it. Yeah, you can hear and it. And it doesn't form. It yeah. just is no, it powder. Won't. It's old. Yeah. Yeah. Very it's old. It's amazing there's still packs like that that are unopened. Awesome. Well, everybody hoarded them. And a lot of these where I get mine from, it's guys who who they've just they've been sitting in garages or they've been sitting in, you know, storage sheds. Yep. And and sell them and people will buy them. And and like the upper decks, they're selling them like ten bucks a pack. Because they're you know if they if it's eighty nine, you know it's got Griffey in there. If it's eighty seven, it's got Barry Bonds in there. If it's you know eighty six is McGuire. The 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 eighty six tops cards they go they go for a pretty penny because it's got the McGuire rookie card. Yeah. So. Just the packaging has come a long way. Yeah, Bowman. Weird, like, wax paper or something. Yeah, today's Bowman cards, those, uh, I love the Bowman series. And then what I didn't know is they're all owned by Topps or uh, Pinnacle. He loves it. He loves it. One day... One day we'll uh, I'll show him my set. Like I was telling him, uh, he hasn't seen my set of cards. He's he knows where it's at. He knows that I have a set, but he's never seen it because he's not ready for it yet. Uh-huh. He's not responsible. He still gives his cards to his friends, uh-huh. and then when he gets them back, they're all beat up. So I said <laughs> no. I said I was. I said I actually thought about bringing you know something down to the podcast, but nope. Well, I remember my dad and I. We were collecting cards when I was about his age. Through, I had the, the upper deck, whatever, where it had the value of all the cards. There's a permanent marker. I wrote the value of all the freaking, you know, uh, oh, on card. on them. On yeah. It, and he's just like, <laughs> not he's not worth that anymore. Yeah, he's like, not that anymore. Brooks, you ruined them all. And I'm like, no. Oh man. So move that down there, and then just kind of move it a little short? bit, little bit closer to you. All right. And. Uh, That's we have uh, with us today Mr. Justin Cox. You are a firefighter here I in am. Spokane. Tell us uh, what's your what's your how long you been been doing that for? Oh man! And then uh, you came over from Puget Sound area over to here. So I did. I used to work in Renton. That's where I got my start. Um, I was there for about nine and a half years, and I've been here in the city of Spokane for three and a half now. So. 13 years in and still trucking along 
waiting on retirement. Waiting on retirement. Yeah. What is what is retirement for a, uh, for I wanna, a firefighter? I want to go at fifty three. Okay, but a lot of people will stick around. You know, just depending on you know if they where they're stay at. Or not. Yeah, where okay. they're at in life. And okay, but fifty three is kind of my goal. Just have everything done and just enjoy retirement. So you got twenty years to go. Mm hmm. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. It's gonna <laughs> feel like twenty years. You. Uh, what what stories do you have? How many lives have you saved? You know, you, you talk to a you talk to an, a police officer. How many how many guys have you shot? How many yeah. how many lives have you saved? <laughs> a lot more than I can think of, but I don't even really think of it that way. I guess you know, I just go out and do my job. Just do your job. Yep, just there to help, and it's an awesome job. I love it. It's uh, there's nothing more like satisfying than just being able to be there for someone on their worst day. You know, so like that's why they call. So you just try to be on your game, and whether it's something small or something big, it doesn't really matter. Is every fire different? Every call different? Yeah. I guess that's kind of one of the dynamic things about the job. You know, like, it's very challenging in that sense. Because, like, growing up, I would do your normal jobs, um, kind of get good at it, and get bored with it. And then this job has challenged me throughout my entire career, and nothing's ever the same. So it's constantly, like, drives you to be better learn something different every day it's kind of like call it like the jack of all trades i guess because there is just an, a crazy amount of stuff that people expect us to just know and do and like, you're constantly training constantly training it's just part of the thing and you can train 24 hours a day every single day and still just have all kinds of stuff to learn and and be better at to get more proficient at the job so uh, i love that part about it and it's physically demanding so you get to you know i have to keep in shape and it kind of forces me to do that even though i don't really want to <laughs> go to the gym every single day or whatever but um i know i have to so yeah it's just uh it's a fun job it's it's like a family you know it's i live with the people a, a quarter of my life basically i live with the people i work with so um they become like a second family away from home so one of my favorite movies is backdraft and you know they have their they'll have like their fam their the family we'll just call them the family mm -hmm. they'll have the family dinner hall they'll have their own bedrooms yep. or you know their own quarters yep. is it the same way in every firehouse or is each each one of them different or is there a volunteer spot and then there's an actual fire I'm not I'm not discrediting the volunteer but is there right. an actual fire department that has that's where everybody sets up so I've never uh, well I guess I did start volunteering before I got hired. Um, and it was all the same. You're just there with the, with the career guys. Um, you go and do shifts with them. They treat you like anybody else. Um, when I worked over in Renton, it's, you know, all career fire department, same with the city of Spokane. It's all career. And it, it is like, uh, we have lunch together here. So, um, back in Renton, we would kind of go to the store, you'd pick up your own lunch and then we'd all figure out something for dinner and we'd split in on it. And then somebody would cook dinner, like you'd have a rotation. So you end up being kind of a good cook, too, throughout the fire department. So, um, yeah, we sit down, we eat together, watch movies together. You know, you do everything together, you know. Just waiting. You're there for 24 hours, and then you hit the sack at, like, whenever, 10 o'clock at night or whenever, you know, you feel tired. Um, and then it just depends if you're going to be up all night or sleep all night. Could get lucky, but usually, you know, there's at least a call in the middle of the night that you got to get up and go to. But, um yeah, you do everything together, basically. We'll work out together and 
how many, play pickleball how many or whatever. people work out of your um, at your department where you're at? How many people are are, are like work for the department? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right now, well, fully staffed, it's like 360. Um, we're pretty short staffed right now, so we're probably sitting around like 320, right around there. But every day there's um, and what is the staffing every day? It was, I think it was 69 people on shift every day because there's 16 stations and there's some big houses. Like my station is just an engine. So there's three people on shift for that day at the station. And then say if where I used to work at station one, um, there was nine people there because you have multiple rigs out of that station out, okay. out of downtown. It's real busy. Okay. So there's a different dynamic there too because you have so many people running around and uh, the big houses are a lot of fun because you get all these personalities running around. And we used to play marbles together all the time, um, just like a board, little marble game. I had to learn a lot about that because I didn't know how to play it when what, I first. What's got marbles? There. I'm 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 thinking of like the where it's the triangles. It's kind of like a uh, down there. It was like an octagon board, and then um, you know you had your little marble spots all the way around. You make your way around. Basically, is to get your your four marbles all the way back home. That's you got to go around the board and get them back home in a spot, and then the spot in the middle is like if you decide to take that spot, and you roll a dice. You know if okay your count it's like lands sorry. on that. I haven't played sorry forever, but yes, okay. it's similar to that. Yeah, yeah, sorry, you've got the push button in the middle. Yeah. you've got to go around with the four pegs, yeah. and then you've got to get them in a row. Yeah, and then like if you you know you end up getting stuck going all the way around or push back, it's it is a lot like that game. Okay. So. Okay. It's like a grown-up sorry. Uh, a grown-up sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh you think of things to do. You just Is it like a baseball clubhouse? Uh yeah. Yeah, you constantly messing around with each other, joking around and um yeah, pretty much it's just a ton of fun, just a bunch of guys that are kind of all kind of the same type of personalities, you know, um all type A people which can be very competitive and mm-hmm. which is Good and bad at times, but um, yeah, it's, it's a lot like that. And you guys are on a, a ranking system, I guess, for your new guys to your more, you know, your least experienced to your more experienced. Does everybody know their role, or are these bottom guys trying to get up to those top top tiers, or does that just take time? Yeah, that takes it. So with every fire department, it's always the same. Even with me. Um, I was nine and a half years in Renton, and when I came over here, I still had to go through a year of probation. So during your year of probation, it's almost kind of like a game in a sense. Um, you kind of you gotta you gotta study, you gotta study streets, policies, union contracts, um, just all the stuff that has to do with working within the department, um, along with drilling, knowing how they operate. You know, how do they run fires? I mean, everything's pretty much the same, but everybody operates a little bit different way. So throughout that year, you're constantly just trying to get better. Uh, when you're brand new, you go through an academy. So, like, you get through a, a four-month academy, and then after that, like over in Renton, you, they send you to EMT school again, even if you've already been an EMT. You go through King County's deal. Um, so by the time you even hit the streets, it's already been almost six months. So you got six months left to kind of, like, do all your drills and, and study and catch up. And then at the end of the year, you take a test, which is on all that stuff that you studied 
and it's kind of make or break. So if you don't okay. pass that test, you don't have a job. So you have a year to prepare for this one test. For one test, yeah. And, okay, damn. Yeah, so, like, for here, uh, it was very, I wouldn't say easy for me. Um, the hardest part was just, like, you know, trying to memorize policies and all that kind of stuff because it wasn't a written test. You just sit down and they ask you questions. Mm. Um, but, like, streets was a portion of it, and I grew up here. So you can tell me anywhere. I, I know the area real okay. well. So okay. Like, but for other people that aren't from Spokane, they come in, they're like, what is this? I don't know. You know, it, it's just a lot harder work. And I think there's these, they're called short streets. Um, there was about a thousand of them. So they say. I call them crayon streets. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. because, because Spokane doesn't have straight lines. They go yeah. here and then it moves down and this one might shoot that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> believe it or not, the uh, streets here are a lot more gridded than where they were over in Renton. Really? So, really? Like, Renton was all over the place. But here you have sections of the city that is a big grid, so the hunter blocks are a little bit easier to remember. Okay. Um, but the short streets are like, guys, uh, you know, they were basically just pure memorization. So you make a flashcard for like, you know, Buffalo Street or whatever. You say, oh, it's south of Francis from this street to this street, you know. Um, and it had a definition for that short street. So you had to remember like a thousand of those. Okay. And I ask you, I don't know, 40 of them, I think, was in the test. So um, that was kind of a pain. But as far as like when you're going through the test, sometimes they would say, Oh, so where is that? So you're not just studying a flashcard that you actually looked at a map. Okay. Like, oh, what building's by there? What side of the street is it on? You know, how would you, what's the fastest way to get to it? You know, so that would be the challenging part. But it sounds like the, uh, um, I did the hiring for the Post Falls Police Department. Okay. And they sat five guys in front and you were just sitting right there in the middle and they were just firing. And that sounds a lot like the same thing. Yeah. If you had to kind of know where the streets are. Um, they didn't get too specific just because I was from Spokane coming over to Post Falls, but they wanted to know how what's the quickest way to get to different yeah. spots. Yeah, and that was kind of the big thing over in Renton when you – it was more of not just having short streets. They would just give you an address because all the map books had addresses in them. So they would give you an address, and you had to sit down and write every single turn going out of the downtown station. So coming out, you're like, ah, oh, right on South 2nd, you know, left on Mill – right on sunset, you know, and you just kind of like, you write down every turn that you would make to get to this address. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to get there. It's on the right hand side of the street. And then they would throw addresses in there that are like terminal. So you can't get through it. The address is on the other side of like a Creek. Mm. So you have to go around and you, and if you didn't pick the, sh the quickest route in your directions, the whole thing's wrong. There's no like points. Okay. Not, not like, Oh, I'm going to take off a so they point, knew. point one out of this question. You just get the whole thing wrong. Okay. And then a lot of streets change names like five times because they're just like winding around everywhere. So you got to write every single name change, you know, so even though you're on the same street, but it's the same everywhere. Like you have a streets test and stuff because it's important. You need to know where you're going. Yep. So when do you get to drive? Uh, I just got promoted uh, okay. on Tuesday. I got the phone call. Uh, so now I am officially uh, a driver. Okay. That's my position. So okay. I don't get to sit in the back. Is that of the stressful? Not really. Like, I've been driving. I've driven quite a bit. Um, it's really, like, the busiest part of a job on the fire in the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes. you got a lot of stuff to do. you got to set up all your hose lines, get your pressures right, make sure everybody's got what they need. If there's a rescue, you need to throw up some ladders. Like, 
you're just hustling, and then after that, when everybody else goes in to you know, start fighting the fire, you're just kind of hanging out at the pump, making okay. sure everything's good, making sure your water supply is all hooked up, uh, that you don't have any issues getting them water. And uh, it's kind of relaxing after that. But Sounds a lot safer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's not as fun. Um, I really like riding in the back and going inside, being in the it, – it's the jump seat is what it is, or, you know, the nozzleman or whatever. But uh, I've been doing it for so long. I love it. So driving is going to be – like permanently is going to be a little bit different. I've been out of grade for a few months now, so I've been driving every shift anyway. So and I kind of miss sitting in back. So now I'm really gonna miss it. Now that I'm can you bounce promoter. back and forth? Uh, only like if I'm like on a trade or uh, take overtime somewhere and I get put in the back or something. Okay. But um, now when I go to work, it'll just be driving. It's kind of gonna be my job. So, but I take it seriously. I like to know my rig and um, everything about it. You know, equipment wise and what it's capable of. So, how did you get in? What What was the draw to to become? Was it just that? You're, you were in second grade, teacher asked you, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a fireman. No, I don't have that <laughs> typical story. I, uh, I grew up in Hilliard, and one of my best friends, like I got bored doing what I was doing, so I went and signed up for the military. And I told a buddy of mine, I was like, hey, I just went in the office and signed up. <laughs> and he was like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of just tired of doing what we're doing. Just on a whim. Yeah, it was just kind of my own thing. I was just tired of just working a normal job. What, what branch? Air Force. Okay. Yep. So when I told him, he he was like, you know what, I'll I'll sign up. I'll go in with you. So we went in together, and his job that he got was a firefighter, and I was an aircraft mechanic. Okay. And uh, he got out after four years, and then he worked in the government, um, like with government firefighting. So he's a civilian working on base on base as a firefighter. And then I got out <clears throat> two years later. I spent six years in. And he just said, you know, this is a great job. Like, you should just look into it. So, and I was over at McCord in Tacoma. So, they have a school over there. It's called Bates Technical College, and they have a fire service program. And I was like, well, I'm out of the military. I got nothing else to do. So, I just went to school there in, like, a night program where all the older guys go because all the, there were some young kids in the days that, like, would go in high school and do it. So, I went from, like, 3 o'clock to or 3.30 to 10 o'clock at night, and it was a lot of hands-on stuff, a lot of drilling, you know, just whatever it was for the day. We'd just go out and do firefighting stuff, just drilling and perfecting skills. Had a lot of firefighters come in and help teach that worked for other fire departments, and then from, like, the first week, I fell in love with it, just, like, all the stuff that we were doing. So I decided I'll just start testing and continue and graduated, like, Graduated a, at a year and a half, so I graduated early, graduated on a Friday, and started my academy with Renton on a Tuesday. So it kind of just worked out that, that way for me. boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah, okay. and, it's, and it's, it's awesome. Where, so. where were you at in life? Like, and I'll, I'll relate it like this. I got done with high school. I went to college. Uh, didn't make the team when I was down in California, so I started working. Still fucking around. Still staying up late, playing mm-hmm. video games, living with my dad down in California. Got a phone call from my best friend um, to Moses Lake, where I met him, <clears> and started playing ball up there. And then it was to another college. And then it was like, shit, now what do I do? Well, they gave me a degree. I got a degree, degree in criminal justice, so I started you know, applying for all different fire, or, uh, police departments. But nothing ever came of it. And then I was kind of lost. So where were you in your life when you... 
came out of the military to now I'm going to be, you know, uh, going to the fire fire department. Yeah. So just like when I joined the military, that's kind of, I was at the point where I was just working, but I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't. No family, no kids, nothing. No, I was just, uh, just a single guy and I just got bored doing with what I was doing. Um, the military kind of shaped me up, you know, taught me some accountability and made me grow up a little bit. Um, if I didn't go into military, I could have played some college ball at uh, North Idaho College. Um, and I just, I was dicking around too much. I didn't really want to go to school. So I opted out of that. But uh, when I got out of the military, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, um, I just got back from Afghanistan. I extended my my six years by a month because I was in Afghanistan. And then I can't, so it was six years in one month. And I basically got out and went on terminal leave. And uh, I had no idea. Like, we went to, I think I took a trip to Vegas. We went to a show there. I remember this. We went to a show. I can't remember what show it was. There's tons of them there. But um, we were sitting, like, in the front row, and the person running the show, you know, like, hey, what's your name? You know, like, oh, I'm Justin. And, you know, it's like, what do you do? I was like, I don't do absolutely anything right now. (laughs) Because I was doing nothing. I had no idea. I was just kind of on leave and um, had no plan for anything. And I figured maybe I'll just go to school because I have GI Bill. So, um, yeah, I I didn't really have a plan at all until I started Bates. And then uh, from there on, it was like, it was nonstop because it's so competitive to, to get the job. Like, you go into a test, say for Seattle, for instance, uh, you go take a written test. That's kind of how it starts before you get an interview. And it's you against like 4,000 other people. And they're maybe hiring like 50. Okay. So, and then that's, and nowadays, like it's public safety testing, which is like uh, all this basic test that you can sign up for multiple departments. So, and everybody takes it. So now you're just testing against. I don't even know how many amount of people, just a ton of them, but they're, you know, depending on who they're applying for. So it's just really competitive. So my drive at that point was like, okay, and until I graduate, if I get hired before, then great, but I'm going to still, you know, I'm going to volunteer. So basically I worked, I volunteered for a fire department for South Pierce fire and I went to school. So like I had zero time for anything and my days were just booked when I was off. I would go pull a shift, pull a 24-hour shift as a volunteer and get paid like 10 bucks or whatever just to get the experience. Um, and it was just hardcore for a year and a half, just testing for every department that I could. And then it eventually, like, it always starts off where you're not very good at it. Some people are really good talkers in interviews, and they're really awkward because you have a board. You know, it's like five, six people, and they ask you the qu- these questions, and you got to answer them all. Uh, and still, like, look around the room, but you're super nervous because you want the job, and it's uh, they probably seems one really, person's writing really something funny down. Stuff. You're like, what are you writing? Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. They're they're writing, and you're talking. You're like, should I wait or I don't know. So you, it started off real rocky, and then uh, by the end, you know, I kind of like was like, screw it. I'm just I'm done with the robot answers. You know, I just want to be myself, and that's ended up kind of what started getting me like in the top numbers for departments. Like I was right up there in Yakima's list. I was right up in Coeur d'Alene's and then I was number one on the list in Renton and I got picked up in Renton. So that's kind of, kind of where I was at. Just 
didn't know what I was doing. And then as soon as I started school, it was like guns blazing from there on out. With the with the police department, they always say in the highway patrol, sheriff's department, police department, the first job is always the hardest mm-hmm. because they usually fill the spot with lateral moves or somebody knows somebody, the chief's uncle or the, the yeah. chief's cousin is yeah. the one that's coming in or nephew or whatever. It, so your first job is always the hardest. Is it the same thing for, for you guys as well? or Well, with the fire department, there is, there is a point of knowing people. You can put in a good word for somebody, but you still have to like go through that interview process and sell yourself. And then even after that, you have to prove yourself from day one that you start. And I've seen multiple people get let go because they just, some people just aren't cut out for the job. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is. But uh, I wouldn't say that, I don't know. I mean, I was a lateral over here. I didn't know anybody. Uh, they It's in a lateral sense, they just need experience. Like a, the department's young. They need people to come in and know what they're doing so they don't have to babysit them for the next three years until they're, you know, confident that they can you know work without a supervisor constantly watching over them so um yeah it's just it's how how hard you put the work in because i've known guys that tested for years like five six seven years and in between that they just you know they could be working hard and just didn't work out and then they kind of get bummed and then you know take a take a break and then get back into it again and eventually get hired. But sometimes it takes a really long time. What is the, what's the, from when you started to where you're at now, that's 13 years. What is the one thing that you have? Now let me ask this different way. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you would have known when you first started? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um, we asked the hard questions here. I guess, <laughs> I guess, uh, culture wise, like I really wish that I, I knew like what a department culture is, you know, like that. Cause that, that's kind of how you act when you first start. So, um, like coming over, you know, like I like to be, I'm an outgoing guy. I like to talk to people a lot. Um, and if a department's culture is like, just shut up and do your job then you just do that even though it just doesn't seem right. Cause you're still, this still consider those people, your family, you know, you're working with them and you're going to want to depend on each other if, when you go on that fire, you know? So like just kind of knowing the probationary process. Cause uh, for me, it was pretty easy as far as like being in the military. I was kind of like, just do my work, you know, I didn't talk myself, you know, out of things a lot or whatever. I didn't, and talk a whole lot. I just kind of kept my head down and worked hard. Um, there's some people that, you know, they talk too much and they get this bad reputation and it's, it's crazy that like one thing can change your entire reputation and it takes like, you got to climb a mountain to get, to get over that. So, uh, cause people will just hold it against you for your entire career, depending on what, what it is that you did or said or whatever. Um, so yeah, I guess just, Sounds kind of a know, lot like a baseball team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a baseball team is all chemistry. Yeah. It's all how you guys fit together. And if, you know, one guy isn't kind of gelling in with everybody, yeah. it kind of puts a little ripple in the, in the yeah, system. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's, and then it's just the same, like, because you have all those type A personalities, right? So, like, 
everybody's similar but yet different. And then, yeah, if something goes wrong, then they start talking to someone else. And then whether they see whatever you're doing or not, they just heard from this person who they respect and trust. And then it just kind of, I'll just listen to them. You know, I won't make my own personal opinion about it. But yeah, it is a lot like that. And it's, that's just a group of dudes all together. That's just kind of, it's a male dominated career. Okay. And, and playing baseball is the same way. So one of my kids' favorite shows is Chicago Fire. When it comes to a show like that, have you seen? I've have never seen, seen it. it? Okay. No, no, I've okay. seen the commercials and it's like, nope. <laughs> is it? I, my question was: Is it? Is, do they? Do they do shows like that? Do they? Is do they portray real life or is it a lot of Hollywood <laughs> uh, kind of build up to to make a show like that? It's a lot of Hollywood build up. I think that. I mean, it's still not even close, but the closest show is probably Rescue Me, like the kind of stuff that um, people go through in the fire department, the stress and uh, all the drama that goes on just like with families and stuff because of the job. Uh, that had a lot of it in there. But um, all the TV stuff is just kind of... It's, just, ho- it's Hollywood. Just Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. What, what is the show uh, with the Super Trooper guys that just came out? Um, or it's been out Tacoma, for... Tacoma, Tacoma FD. FD. So uh, parts of that is... Pre- I mean, the firefighting stuff is not even close. So, but like the in-house joking stuff, that's pretty similar to okay. what, what you can see in the okay. firehouse yeah just constantly like ribbing each other ribbing each other and that's that's the kind of like stuff that people don't see because we live together and people aren't in the house with us so and you can't go stale i guess is is the way to put it you don't want to be stale and then that bell ring it's time to go yeah you, you want to kind of be loose and you know, I guess in, in the middle of something, in the middle of a game or in the middle of a conversation or something, you're engaged, and then the bell rings, and then it's time to go. Yeah. Is it is it is is there a period, like if let's say you're at 10, it's past 10 o'clock, you guys are sleeping, that bell rings, is that tough to get going? Or oh, is, yeah. it, is it the bell that <laughs> lights the fire? There's, so uh, here with the city, we have two different tones. So they're house tones. So like... Um, they have a couple different sounds. So, like, when you have a medical call, it's a certain sound. When it's a fire, it's a certain sound. So when the fire comes in, obviously, the adrenaline gets rushing a little more, and you wake up a lot more. Uh, like, medical calls, and they're also delayed, too. So, like, if you have, like, a CPR call come out, the medical tones have, like, this delay. It's hard to explain. You just have to hear it. But um, that that is also, like, the adrenaline gets going, you know. But, like, when you just have, like, a normal call in the middle of the night and you're sleeping, um there's there's times where I'm like halfway like <laughs> sleeping on the way to the call, you know, just something that's we get the short report and it's not so serious, like it's like toe pain or something. I'm just like passed out in the back of the rig, and, but I can't do that now because I have to drive. You got to drive, <laughs> <laughs> so that's another thing I'll miss. But uh, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's probably um, at a lot of times it could probably be a little unhealthy, you know, especially with those certain tones because people get so jacked up from being. You're like down low, heart rate in the fifties, sleeping, and you get a, a tone that's for a you know a house fire, and you're right up at like one thirty on your heart rate, just just like that, like rushing to get out the door, and then so it just the hit on your body, and that's that's probably internally not not all that healthy, but it happens throughout not the day too. Not good for the heart. Yeah, you don't that even adrenaline have, rush. Yeah, you don't even have to be sleeping. I mean, it could be in the middle of the day. You could just be like doing whatever, doing training or whatever. And as soon as you 
hear it come out, you just get all jacked up. It's just natural. Is it? Can you compare it to being in the military as a as a sniper? Okay, a sniper might never fire in the four years that he's enlisted as, but he's already he's ready to pull the trigger. Right. Is that that weight that I'm waiting for my order to pull the trigger and and I it never comes? Is it is that the same way, or are you guys just having fun in the clubhouse, basically, not waiting and anticipating it to go? You're just kind of if it comes now, we'll be ready to go. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it is. Like you just kind of go on with your daily stuff. When a call comes in, then it's it's time to it's time to work. Um, one of the things I've learned throughout my career is when you're young in this job and you get a fire come out, you're jacked up and like jacked up for a while and even throughout the call. Um, but when you're like that, you get a tunnel vision and you tend to like miss things around you. So from my experience, like I try to mellow myself out. Like I don't get jacked up when I hear that, you know, obviously the adrenaline's going, but I like take a breath and I'm just like thinking. So like when we pull up to a house, you know, I'm looking at exactly like what's going on um, while I'm putting my pack on, throwing my gear, getting my gear. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the house, you know, I'm looking at the fire behavior, where's smoke coming from, you know, what kind of smoke is it? Is it heavy? Is it, is it mean or is it just wisping? You know, like what am, what am I dealing with? You know, looking at the layout, you know, just looking at a house, you can kind of tell like, Oh, my living room's over here. My bedrooms are over here. So, um, trying to not get so riled up to where you miss that stuff because that stuff will help you go in and, you know, if someone's inside, you've already seen it. You're like, okay, so my best chance for, you know, the bedrooms are over here. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to take a right, you know, cause a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but there are times where it's like minimum to no visibility. So you're just, you're, we train on that all the time and it's really hard to train on that cause it's hard to train on real life stuff. So we do the best we can, but um, that's where those houses that they're just going to demo those are important pieces. Those are too. very important, yeah. And obviously, like, uh, I haven't, I don't think we do live, I've never done a live burn since I've been here, but, um, you know, you used to do that and go in and actually, like, see fire behavior and at least get the gist of it without, like, a huge load in the house, like, with, like, couches and all that kind of stuff. But, okay. Um, so it's like a controlled burn environment in a house. So that's nice. Uh, but yeah, the demoed houses, you know, we'll go and smoke them out. And do, you know, rescue training or whatever, you know, have a pretend spot for the fire. Like, you need to go find it. So, you just can't, like, one of the things that guides you is heat, right? Like, you're going towards the heat when you're in a fire. Yeah. Like, you you can feel it. And you can can watch, like, you know, for behavior inside, like, where you're going to be at. If it's going to flash over, you know, kind of where the fire's at. How low is the heat, you know? Are you forced to be on your stomach like is it that low um that that's one of the huge factors in it and we can't train like that because we can't put ourselves in that condition all the time okay so but yeah you do the best you can and that's just kind of um you train the best you can and that's how it goes you want some you want something to drink uh yeah yeah i'll I'll have a beer you want that you want johnny oh whatever it doesn't matter I love Johnny. <coughs> I don't even know if I've had it. Made by uh, Georgetown Brewing. Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah. Oh, pale ale. Nice. Um, one of the hottest 
fires that I have been around was a fuel tanker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was heading south on 195 uh, by right outside of Plaza. There's a there's a cutoff turn that you can uh, get on to one of the both of the side roads, but it. I don't know exactly where it's at, but a car had passed or a pickup had passed the tanker, got out into the slush, lost control, hit the tanker. Tanker hits one side of the bridge, flips. Oh, boy. The back pup catches on fire. No, I'm sorry. Uh, the back pup um, flies off, but the truck itself catches on fire. Flower delivery guy sees the whole thing happen, gets over to the truck, gets the guy out. As they're walking off the road, ba-boom. Oh, wow. And it happened right, like... That's like a Hollywood moment. Like a Hollywood moment. <laughs> and, it, it, and it just, ba-boom. So that happened right in front of me. I saw the burst, mm-hmm. and as we're going up to it, I'm like, I've got to get past that, otherwise I'm going to shut the road down, and then I'm stuck right there. So as I got, I'm all the way as far over to the left as I can. So this is on the ditch over on, on this side of the of the hill. I'm on this side of the white line, and it is melting me as I'm going through. It was so hot. I can only imagine what it's like to be inside a house, of all things, (laughs) as it's sitting there on top of you. Yeah, it's uh, it gets hot for sure. And but you know we wear the gear that helps out. Um, but yeah, it's I've been in some pretty hot fires where it's like, oh man, I got to get this under control like now, you know, before it gets out of hand. But I don't know. It's just probably the adrenaline and stuff that's going, and it kind of just keeps you going. But really, you don't rec- feel really it until afterwards. I mean, <laughs> I've been in some or fires you don't worry where you about do feel it, it but afterwards? you don't worry about it till afterwards. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what does your wife feel? Is she worried about it? I'm sure she is. She doesn't <laughs> say she doesn't say she is, but I know that she worries when I have that kind of stuff happen. So. So when you got the phone call to now be the driver, she was like, oh, I'm sure she's like relieved. She <laughs> doesn't say anything. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Let's go out to dinner. <laughs> uh, how long have you been married for? Uh, 11 years. Yeah. Since uh, 2010. 11 years, two 11 boys. years. And I've known, I've known my wife since we were 14. Okay. We lived like three blocks away from each other. Okay. And walked to school every day. We were like best friends. We didn't start dating until mid-20s. Mm. But, uh, yeah, two kids. We started a little late. You know, they're six and eight. And uh, they're getting in that sports phase now, which is a ton of fun. So, well, we're pretty busy. Pretty busy at the yeah, house. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Do they get to go and see the fire truck? Do they get to go yeah. ride around it, pull the levers? You yeah. Know? COVID has kind of ruined some of that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, they'll come in and visit whenever. You know, they're always welcome. Um, they've climbed around the fire truck. I don't even know how many times. They okay. It's hard to, hard to get them out of there because they're just having so much fun. My son, uh, Branyan, he was um, he stopped growing inside his mom. So he was uh, four and a half months within inside of her he was delivered at eight so he was uh three pounds 12 ounces that's probably wrong but three pounds 12 ounces and then you know you lose that initial baby weight baby weight he was two pounds 14 ounces so when he he didn't start walking until he was three maybe just after three somewhere in there Mm -hmm. one of the first pictures i have of him actually walking on his own is in front of the tire 
the steer tire yeah. of one of the fire trucks. Yeah. Um, he had a, a backpack on because he had a feeding tube that went in. It was a, one of the drip mm-hmm. pumps. God, I hated that thing. But he had that little backpack on standing mm-hmm. right next to the steer tire of the fire truck just looking up. And that, that steer tire compared this to him huge. just looked ginormous. <laughs> yeah. Because he was, he was just a little guy, right? So, yeah. But, yeah, that was, my, that was his first time seeing a fire truck. And he was just in awe. Yeah, well, when all this COVID crap is over, you can just bring him in and mess around or whatever have anytime have you want. Look. He might like love station's that. station's not too far away from here. Okay. Just right over on Bernard off 29th. Okay. Or like 17th and Bernard, so you can you can come in whenever you want. I'll just let you know when uh, they lift that okay. restriction of letting <laughs> visitors in. Yeah, so. he'll love that. He'll love that. Um, so growing up, growing up, we're baseball guys. That's how you and I met. Right. Uh, you know, we played in the same league together. Right. Um, you brought up college. Did you, mm-hmm. did, so you didn't play college ball mm-hmm. at all? You just, did you play high school and uh, then I stop just, or? Uh, I've been playing. So baseball was the one sport that always stuck with me throughout my entire life. So I've tried every sport. I consider myself fairly athletic. I can pretty much play any sport, but golf, I'm terrible at that. But uh, baseball was the one sport that stuck with me, and um, the highest level I really did was, like, uh, Legion ball. Like, played double-A, triple-A Legion. And then shortly after that, I just kind of went in the military. I tried out for the Kansas City Royals once. (laughs) Did you? Yeah, back with open tryouts. It was more like a fun thing, but I I ended up doing pretty well at the tryout. Just um, It it was pretty fun. Like, I didn't realize how official it would be. And... uh, they give you, like, your little bib, and then they go through their little stations. All right, what position are you? They put you out in the outfield. And they were doing, like, some tee hitting and soft toss, and people were out shagging balls. And me and my buddy that I went in the military with, we went. And we were, like, the only guys, like, running around just chasing after everything because we are having fun. We are like, 18, 19 at the time. And uh, they would start kicking people loose throughout the tryout. It's like a three-hour tryout. And I ended up making it all the way through to the end, and they had some live pitching. And they had some guys that they had drafted or whatever, prospects. And they were throwing, like, 90s. And uh, I'd never seen that before. Okay. So, like, it's when a difference. I, yeah, when, yeah, a little bit different, yeah. <laughs> so, like, when I got up to that, you know, I was just, like, fouling a couple off, taking a couple swings and misses, you know, little hits. Like, I'm, I was a righty, so I was right field, just, like, barely, barely even catching up to the ball. And then they sat me down afterwards and talked. I was like, hey, you know, you got great fundamentals. You got good arm strength. Uh, I was one of the fastest guys there when they were doing, I think it was like the 60-yard dash. Okay, yep. Um, I don't know why they do the 60 because it's a straight line. I don't know. I don't know why I don't know either. what the deal was, but um, I was one of the fastest guys there at the tryout, and they are just like, hey, you need to work on your hitting and gain some weight. <laughs> okay. Because I was only like 120 pounds. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was tiny. So, but, you know, I was like, oh, I was just here to have fun, you know. But, yeah, I'll keep trucking along and. And I joined the military. So. Okay. But, yeah, baseball growing up, that's that's about the highest. That wasn't even really planned. That was more like a tryout. But Legion ball was probably the highest, most competitive level I played. And then I took a long break. When I went in the military, I played a little bit of softball. And um, when I got out, I found that league on the west side and uh, decided to start playing and just kind of got back into the love of the game that I missed playing so much, you know. And then I got just hooked in from there. Because it used to be, I used to go out and play, and you just have to drag me off the field because I had so much fun. I don't care if it was like running after fungos or whatever. It's 
it was just fun. Yep. So, and I would <laughs> yep. play on multiple, multiple teams throughout the summer, you know, when I was younger, you know, youth sports and all that, I'd, people would ask me to go play for their team. So I'd have like three different teams. I have to catch rides with friends, you know, just to make it to games. Cause you know, my parents like worked and uh, they would make it to as much as they could, but I played so much. It's just, they're like, Oh, just find a ride, do your own thing. So that now, was kind of my life. Puget Sound League. There's what? 170 something teams or there's a lot. There's, I mean, they, they have so many different divisions because they have so many players that you can sign up and play in advanced or recreational or kind of the mid middle of the ground deal. And then they have their age groups. So it's, it's pretty competitive. Like we're, we're a small league here, but there's a lot of good players. So like you take all the people that we play with in ours and go over there and there's multiple teams that have that, that have that. So okay. it's nice. Cause you can play different teams all the time. And, um, yeah, it's just he, more people to pick from. There's a lot of people over there, so. And that was that was why we had we had four or five teams. And that's why I started the Hawks to get to that sixth team, mm-hmm. just to have more teams to play. All I wanted us to do was be competitive. Just, yep. I don't care if we win. I don't care if we lose. Just be competitive. Yep. We had to beat the Iron Pigs the first because that was my <laughs> old team. That we had to win. That was. I said, guys. I just said, I don't care what we do. I said, this game we have to win. But over there, you've got 10, 15, 20 teams. Yeah, I think, per league. I think when I played in my league, there was thirteen, thirteen or fourteen, something like that. That'd Different teams just in in our division, so it keeps that competitive level up and it's there's obviously they do the drafts just like over here so there's teams that kind of start whittling down and they start falling in the bottom and then they start drafting and then they make their way back up but it was nice to just play different people what's the player pool i mean you guys are doing going from a draft how many guys are coming to the draft that you guys get to pick from a lot so a lot so like when i went to the draft i i don't even remember but it was a ton like a ton where you where you actually got a bib number like that Royals tryout. So, um, and they have all the coaches there and managers like taking notes and then they have their draft and it's like, it takes forever to draft cause there's so many people. Okay. So you always get new players and then they also have their buddy picks too. So if someone knows somebody, they come and play, you can get buddy picks. I think there was like a certain amount. Um, but there was a lot of people that would come in, like they would come into the draft that nobody ever knew about. And they're like, oh, man, where did you even come from? Like Justin yeah. Cox, yeah. who came into the draft. Yeah, yeah. So, like, because <laughs> I didn't know anybody. So, you know, it's like, yep. so then I just go to a team, and then eventually, like, my team crashed, and then I had other people like, dude, your team's crashed. Like, come play for us, you know. So I got picked onto another team, and then that team kind of folded because of players or whatever or got molded into a different team. So I ended up playing for three different teams when I was over there. Okay. Um. And the last team was the Ravens, and that was the team that I went to Arizona with this year. It was just not all the same guys. So, is there a lot of turnover in teams over there, or are your core guys uh, a lot of the same? I guess on some teams, there's a lot of core guys that are still playing. Um, from my understanding, the divisions have shuffled around a little bit too, as far as like ages and. Um, but for the most part, you kind of have your guys that stay together, and then they can trade. Like, hey, oh. tra- they make trades and stuff over there. Like, how I ended up on the, I think it was it with the Rays. I got traded. I was on a different team. My team was, uh, I got traded away. 
and uh, I ended up playing for this team on a trip. Or no, I came into a team and they traded a guy out because I was coming in. Okay. And it was that guy that I was telling you about, the pitcher that got hooked when he came down. He was on the team and uh, they traded him out for some other people because they knew that I was coming into the team. Okay. They're like, oh, we're getting a pitcher already on a buddy pick, so let's trade a, a good pitcher for some other good how does How does the guy feel? You're not getting uh, Sometimes paid. they're mad. Sometimes they're mad, but, you know, some people, like, ask if they want out, you know, like, you know, send me to this other team or whatever. So, yeah, it it is. It's kind of like what happened with us this year on our team. And thankfully, I didn't have to make the phone calls to say, hey, we're going a different direction. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, so, like, and there was some, and, and you some had upset to. people. You had to. I you mean, have to. You have to make a change at some was, point. Was they were good guys. Mm-hmm. They were all um, – the previous coaches, guys, they were all friends. Yeah. But the league has kind of moved past those guys. Yeah. And just, you know, just being nice about it. They, and you're not competitive unless you start bringing in new exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it kind of sucked, but you had to to be competitive. Yeah. And, and you since guys I've gotten here, it's gotten, it's just overall across the board, it seemed very even on, on a, like anybody could be anybody on a certain day. Yep. Um, which is, it's nice because it's, it's fun to have that competitiveness out there. Like, it's no fun to just go out there and get your butt kicked every day. Was our first year your first year or was your, our second year your first year? How long, how many years have you been in the league? Uh, this was my third. This was your third? So that was our second year. So we, our only loss was to you guys then your first year. I took year. your undefeated season yeah. away from you. Actually, you're, you're welcome. Actually, I stole home. <laughs> I stole home. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was I a tried, close no, game I tried all around, stealing though. home. No, what a, that, that was, was a the classic game. me and Boyd matchup. That, yep. was, uh, that was a good game. Yeah. And that was that was a fun one to get from you guys because I really wanted that badly. Yeah, that but. was our that was our last game. We were undefeated through the season. And, and, and we were walking over teams. I mean, it wasn't even fun. It was like, okay, we just got to get to 20 so that way we can go home. I mean, it wasn't fun, yeah. and we were getting walked over. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, and for us, it wasn't fun either. This year yeah. was actually the funnest because yeah, yeah we were year. we were losing, but everybody was the same. Yeah, and it was it was a lot of fun, except for the fact that all of us struggled having enough guys to play. Yeah, that was tough. It was like just the stress that Michael was going through, just trying to get people to the game. Like that game out in Davenport. Mm-hmm. Like I had my brother come out and play, and then there was. A guy on the team, like his brother, was in town from Seattle, and I think he was on the roster part time. Yeah, he he was on the um, roster. But it was just these. It was nine guys. We had nine nine guys just hodgepodge together. You had one guy there. He was a kind of a smaller guy. That was the first time he'd pick up a bat in twenty five years. Yeah, I think he played yeah. freshman baseball, and that was it. Yeah, and then he goes out, and I think he got like two hits or one hit yeah. or something like that on a on a bloop. Yeah, it, uh, it's frustrating when that happens, but. You do what you got to do to get out there and have some fun, yep. right? And it was still competitive. I mean, not for you guys, but <laughs> we well, the, the first game, no. The second game, I think we won by yeah, one. Yeah, the second game you won. And it's the, like but like I'm saying, it's still competitive even though we were still scraping together yep. what we could. And it, it's the season was still the best season so far, I think. Oh, very uh, much so. From where you guys were at when I was with the Iron Pigs to then the Hawks to where you guys are at now, 
completely different. You have to be aware of what, you know, the, the Cardinals are doing, the Chuckers before, Cardinals mm-hmm. now, of where you guys are at because you guys were right there in the mix. Yeah. Actually, you you guys beating us. We only needed to win one game last year for us to be in first place. Then it came to that game of you and the Angels not being played or there was a forfeit or something, which kind of nulled everything. But you guys Beating bo- us both those games put you guys in first place. Yeah, which is for a half a second, and then yeah, there was the, a forfeit or something. <laughs> I'm I still don't understand that. But. Yeah. Um, either way, it's still a good accomplishment from where we came yes. from because we're dead last. You know. Yep. So, um, the the best part about it is uh, Michael did a lot of the recruiting for all that, um, just from people that he knew through like his sons, his son playing in a. Uh, the 12U, I think it yep. is. But uh, he found a lot of guys that wanted to play, and he made it very clear that he just wanted people that were competitive, that weren't going to, like, argue and constantly, like, whine about everything. And uh, the guys that we have on our team is just a really good group of guys. Um, there was a guy that came over from the west side, uh, moved into Spokane at the beginning of the season, and he emailed the league saying, hey, you know, I'm moving over. I'm looking for a team to play for. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I was trying to think Brett, of the name. Brett uh, Omont. Yep. So he came yep. out, and for the first game that he played in, out in uh, Priest River. And uh, he was out in right field and was, like, mad about a call or something or whatever. But I don't think he was really uh, – Mouthing off a whole lot, but he got the umpire's attention. Okay. And, you know... Uh, well, this year they were really sensitive. Yeah. The umpire, eje- <laughs> he got ejected. Okay. For whatever he did. I don't know what it was. But uh, Michael talked to him. He said that he talked to him after the game, or, you know, before he left. And he's like, hey, look. It's like, I understand you're upset, um, but our, we're, I'm trying to build a team here where, like, we're just don't complain. Like, it is what it is. Umpires are going to make calls. Just going to have to shake it off and go on his... It's like it might be just like a one-time thing or whatever, but you know if that's not something that you can deal with, you know, then I don't I don't want you back here. Yep. And then he never showed up after that. Oh. So. Okay. Never never played another game. So that's the kind of like mindset that Michael put into the team, and it's and it's really showed because guys are just real humble, and they're just like, oh. you know, we're competitive, and we get mad at some points, but. Never to the point during the season where anybody was like yelling at the umpire or whatever. So, yep. Yep. so it was good as far as team chemistry and we all gelled together. Everybody's a good group of people. So. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we uh, we are uh, when we first started, we were just a bunch of softball guys. That was our label. You don't have to worry about them. They're just a bunch of softball guys. Yeah. And then we showed up to the yard and put a whooping. Yeah. But we still carry that with us. And you know what I'm talking about when mm-hmm. I say just we're just a bunch of softball guys because we have fun. Yeah. We'll banter with ourselves. And then if the other team wants to pitch in, then we'll banter back and forth. Yeah. But there's no ill will. It's we're right. gonna we're gonna rag on our guys before you guys will ever have the chance to do it. Yeah. So that's and and it makes it fun. You know, yeah. we'll have the speaker. We'll be blaring some music between games or at the beginning of the game, and you know, there no none of the alcohol or in between music or yeah. whatever like that, like a like a softball game. But we will. Uh, is it a motorcycle? 
<laughs> Jesus. Somebody going fast. But it's we carry that attitude, and it's yeah. just loose, and it's fun. And, you know, we, if the other team, we can make them laugh a little bit, then, yeah. then you know, that's what, we're, that's what we're about. Yeah, at the end of the day, you just have to realize we're a bunch of old guys who just love playing the game. And there's no point in going out and yelling and screaming at each other because we're not getting paid. You know, what do we get, like a T-shirt or a Yeah, we get a T-shirt at the end. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not that big of a deal. You're out here just having fun. Not get injured. That's kind of like yes. the, big, the yeah. big goal of the season, you know? Yeah. Just go out and, and enjoy it and really, like, take it in. Because, like, that's, like, my time when I get out on the field. It's my, like, stress relief. You know, it's my time to go out and have fun and and just play the game that I love. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's I, funny. It's funny you bring that up because we're we're down in Arizona, and I want to I want to ask you about Arizona because you've been down there more times than I have. Mm-hmm. This last year in Arizona, we're playing um, we're playing uh, Berkeley something like uh, I can't remember. Oh no, it was the Houston Cyclones. It was the Houston Cyclones. Okay, so we're playing them. And it was actually the team that you not, thought... Not to be confused with the Chicago Cyclones. Yeah. No, yeah. it was the Houston Cyclones. Yeah. Um, and My the, bad. And <laughs> the game before, we were watching him play. Well, the coach had um, a camera. Mm-hmm. He's got a, one of the long uh, Canon cameras, and he was you know, taking like 15, 20 shots in one push. My camera can do that as well, but I don't know how to do it. So I was just kind of talking back and forth. And then he started... He brought up... He's like... Um, something about the last game, you know, he was kind of perturbed about the last game that he had a courtesy runner um, go in, but because th- he got hurt. And he's like, hey, my guy got hurt. Can I have it? He said, no, you need to make him run. And I'm like, mm. we don't get paid to play down here. We're here having right. fun. We all got to go to work on Monday. If you need a courtesy runner, I would give you a courtesy runner. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I gave the guy a courtesy runner for one of his guys, and he didn't do it. So he gave me this sad story. Bottom of the ninth. Uh, we've got two outs. Pat Martin hits the ball actually to opposite field, which we've been working on for the last four years. <laughs> and, he, and he does it. He did it. Drove in a run, the tying run. Pat's on second base. Pulls his hammy or the a muscle in his knee. He turned out being okay. But we needed a courtesy runner. He limped in. He's in pain. He hurts. Mm-hmm. And the coach goes, no, he doesn't have one marked for him. Huh. After we had already given one to his catcher, who they said ruptured his ACL in the game before, but yet he's still catching, still running, running the first running. base. I'm like, Back if he up. needs a courtesy, yeah. we'll you know we'll give him a courtesy. Well, the umpire knew what we had already done, so he had already notched it. He's a military guy. He was mm-hmm. in the, I think he was with the Air Force for 25 years. Now he umpires just for shits and grins. Yeah. Yeah. So he knew that though. He knew that we did that. <clears throat> So when we had, we need a courtesy runner for him, he's obviously hurt. You know, he's not, this isn't the fake, you know, whatever. And the coach says, no, he's not designated a courtesy runner. And we're like, wait a second. I'm like, I gave you a courtesy runner for your guy. He says, he says, that doesn't matter. <laughs> he says, he's not designated. And then, and then Jim comes over and says, no, he did it for you. So he did the right thing. We right. were able to get a courtesy runner, but we all got to go to work on Monday. That was my point. Yeah. We all got to go to work on Monday. If you need a courtesy runner, I'm going to give you a courtesy run. Right. We're, we don't get paid to be out here. We're out having fun. Let's keep it fun. We don't need more injuries. So yeah. it's not getting hurt. That's the deal. Yeah. I uh, Down there is like a whole different world. So, like, I totally understand that. Um, but it is so hard to win down there. I can understand the mentality of, like, 
no, we don't want you to put a guy out there because that guy is fast and mm-hmm. that could be possible. Well, that win, was our leadoff guy to go in. Yeah, so, so like, it, for me, I'm like you. I'm like, at the end of the day, like, we got to go home and go to work. You don't want to constantly. But then again, like, if he doesn't give you the courtesy runner, then Pat could just go slow, you know, just like not hurt himself, which is hard to do when you're trying to be competitive and you want to score mm-hmm. that winning run, right? So, it, it's just it's just different down there. It's not it's not like playing in the league up here. It's more competitive, and I've been down there and I've never gotten a ring. You know, it's been nine years and I've made it to semifinals, made it to the championship, just just haven't haven't won it yet. And it's it's so hard to win down there because the competitive level is just that much higher, and you get to see pitching that's just that much better, especially when you hit the playoffs Consistent and stuff. Consistent pitching, yeah, it so, doesn't taper down. And then once they start tapering, they bring in another guy that throws the same. Yeah, exactly. So, like, when people do that, it's because you have your six games, and it's important, especially when it goes by, like, runs allowed and stuff. They don't don't want that to happen because they want to make playoffs, so you want to give yourself a chance. Mm -hmm. So I get the mindset. It's just it's too bad that you can't dial it back and just think about, hey, we're just old guys here. Let's dial it back just a little bit. But everybody does go down there for a purpose, and that's to win it and because it's it's a big deal when you've been playing ball for so long, you know, it's kind of a big deal to win that yeah. tournament. So, and it's an awesome it's so way difficult. to end the season. At yeah, the end of the it year. is. It really is. And it's like, I've never had that feeling, but like when you get to the championship game, it's just like, you get stoked. You know, it's like, man, we're playing against people from all over the place, like all over the country. Yep. And, uh, they're top guys. It's all their all-star teams coming down and playing and, that's where you're like competitive juices run, you know, and it's like I just wanna I wanna beat these guys real bad. Like I don't care how hurt I am. Like it's just it is what it is. I think if we can take a Spokane team down with all of our all stars mm-hmm. and go down, I think we'll be very competitive. But it's getting guys to believe that same thing of yeah. well, I don't want to go down there and just get beat up. Yeah. It's the, coming from the mouths of guys who have been down there. You've been down there what, nine years, ten years, yeah, you said? Yeah, I think it's about nine years. So you know more than I do what yeah. it takes to win those games. Yeah, so I started off when I first started going down there. What were you? What was your first year like? Were you in awe? Yeah, so, and it was it was horrible, too, because we got the shit kicked out of us. Like, <laughs> um, You're at a high, and then you're here. I started going down. I was in my 30s, like early 30s, like 31, 32, and I played in the 25 Central Division, and in that division, it's – it's competitive, you know, like a lot of young. And I, and when we went down there, we were kind of like scraping for people, and we went down with a 13-man roster. Oof. And a uh, bunch of good dudes on the team, but we just got annihilated. And that happened over the course. We got better, you know, over the course of like two or three years because um, we would add some people down. But there was a couple of years at the beginning where it was a small roster and – did was, you not know that you didn't need, that you needed eighteen guys? No, like um, I had no idea. I don't know if you know anybody else did or whatever. We realized real quick, <laughs> real quick, because <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't like like now I go down and I pitch and that's it. And before you know, I would go down and I would pitch the first game, catch the second game, then I would play outfield and I'm in the lineup the whole time, mm-hmm. like just doing everything. You're running around. Um, there was one, one year went down and there was like a, a UW game down there at ASU. So we went to that and it was at the end of the week and I like, couldn't even, could barely walk. 
and we were drinking some beers, and we're walking out of the game because we're getting blown out. The Huskies were just getting annihilated. So we left, and we're walking out, and there's a bunch of young college kids out there, like, running the 40-yard dash because they have a bunch of practice fields out there where okay. you can park and stuff. And then Sherwin started running his mouth because that's what he does. He just likes to talk. <laughs> starts running his mouth and starts betting money that I could beat him in a 40-yard dash because I was fast. And next thing I know, I'm like running these 40-yard dashes like over and over against people, you know, winning. Okay. <laughs> and uh, But I could barely move. Like my legs were hurting so oh. bad. And it, I think it took me at least two or three weeks to recover when I came back just because yeah. I was so sore. But, uh, you know, over the years you learn. But, it's, yeah, and you start moving up in the age groups. But even the 35 this year was insanely competitive. Like just everybody's getting older together. And uh, it's it's crazy how competitive it is down there. It's it's just a different world. Like when I go down and pitch, I just <clears throat> I don't know. I'm a different me when I go down there. Like I don't up here. It's fun and stuff. But when I go down there, it's it's, it's for a purpose, right? Yep. When it, like I want to go down there and do my job. So I just get in this whole different mindset before a game when I throw down there. So it's, well, you said it best. We have our league here, and it's competitive, mm-hmm. but. When you go over to Puget Sound, it's guys, it's all of your top guys who might be on teams here make up entire teams. Yeah. And that's how it is over there. It's tough outs. Yep. You don't you don't go through, well, I know the first four guys, they're tough. You know, those yeah. that's your we've got to get those guys out or else it's gonna be a long day. Right. And then five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, well, if they get on, it's not a big deal because we know that the next guy isn't gonna do much. Right. You've got to have an entire lineup of 10, 11, 12 yeah. guys who are just like your top four guys. And, and they all yeah. have to be tough outs. And that all works hand-in-hand hand with your pitching. Like, you've got to have, like, a massive amount of pitching. Because you, you there's guys that are tough pitchers. outs. You put your pitcher out there, right? Say he's not really on, or you have a starter that, you know, you want to, you know, save him because you want to pitch him a little bit later. You know, like, you go through this team that has a lot of hitters they're tough outs and you're throwing a lot of pitches and you got to switch out your pitching and you start running through pitchers and if you get through a bunch of pitchers within the first like three days you know because you're playing within the first three days you've got four games at least so when you start running out of pitchers and you're like okay now we have playoffs and and you're exhausted by then like your pitchers are tired but hitting's always going to be there it's always going to be there like guys that can hit they just hit so it's it's huge to have a roster to be able to rest guys in the field so they're not making physical errors as much as they normally would because people won't have legs they won't be mm-hmm. able to bend over to get a ground ball yep. so but pitching is always huge too because if you go through a bunch of pitching and in, in pool play you're kind of screwed in the playoffs because you got sore arms and then you have people just going to throw yep and if you can't throw strikes especially against like a good hitting team they're just going to take advantage of it yep so. And that's the difference up here. I can. I'm a thrower. I, I get on the mound and I throw. I'm not a pitcher, mm-hmm. but I know how to get guys out just from being mm-hmm. from behind stay the plate in the zone. and stay. Yeah, you stay in that zone down there. All of those guys can hit the ball in the zone. Yeah. So it's you know if you're not in, if you're not on, you get out. Yeah. You have to be crafty because they'll, like you said, tough outs. Tough outs are tough outs. Yep. No matter what. So, um, yeah, it's 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 just a different game. I don't know. It's like it's something that you need to experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like our first year down, yeah. I remember me and Pat, we would, you know, we'd get up to the field and it was 
it was like, man, this is where the A's play. Or and then we started. Yeah. So I, and I'm terrible with the field names, but Tony Graham, he's he knows every field, who plays on that field, yeah. and what. But it was Hulk Holcomb is the A's. Hulk Holcomb, yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's where Sammy Sosa used to be. <laughs> okay. Well, the grounds crew guy was there, so he was telling us the story of Sammy Sosa. So at Hulk Holcomb, they've got, and this is that the back backfield. So it was just their BP field, mm-hmm. but it had the home run fence, and then they had a secondary fence. So that was Sammy's Sammy Sosa to I'm gonna get it over the secondary fence. So they had to right. put up a third tier to save the house because the <laughs> Cubs already built a brand new roof on the house across the street because there was so many dents in there from Sammy Sosa. Yeah. So that was cool. We got to learn all these things from the where the in Peoria where the where the Padres and, and Mariners play mm-hmm. and then Ho Holcomb and uh, Salt River's my favorite. I love playing at Salt, Salt River. Salt River was torn down this year. They were redoing it. The stadium. Yeah, so yep. we, well, I think they were redoing the field. We couldn't even play on those fields. Um, that's where the Diamondbacks. Because that's usually where the playoffs are. Rockies. Salt River, and we had to go to Tucson for that. Okay, because so Salt that River must was have happened redone. after us. Then I think so. Okay, I, that's why it got moved because they decided to, to rip it apart and redo it. Gotcha. So interesting. I wonder why. Because those are awesome fields. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Man, they're gonna be I better next know. year, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything's all done next year, and it'll be. I don't know. It's just uh, all the fields are pretty nice to me. Though there's a few kind of sketchy ones where they don't uh, the Reds, seem to take care of them a ton. The Reds field, and I don't know what that was. It's the Reds Diamondbacks. Um, I thought it was Diamondbacks Rockies. Was or no Diamondbacks Rockies? That's what it was. Reds it was and Reds. I know. Was it good? It's not Goodyear, is it? No. Yes. Is it Goodyear? It's Goodyear. Okay. Reds and somebody else. I can't remember who it was. Because we did did play a game at one of the Reds fields on Goodyear. And then we had to go to Peoria for our second game. Take a 30-minute drive or whatever. Okay. So we were in Mesa. We didn't get to play on the the major league fields. We played on the city field, which Uh, is still better than any field we play on here. (laughs) And guys are like, oh, my God, this is such a trash. And I'm going, man, I'd love to play on this this every week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, <laughs> do you play anywhere else? Like, you know, we we got Arizona. Do you go Vegas, Palm Springs, uh, Florida? No, the only – I did travel to Vegas, but to play in, like, the Fallen Firefighters softball tournament. Okay. So, I got to play there. Like, all their fields are, like, Yankee Stadium. Yep. Um, I think one of them's Wrigley and uh, – One's Boston. Fenway. Fenway. One's Wrigley. One Fenway. Old Yankee. One's Tiger. Uh, the, the that was pretty cool. They got nice, stadium. nice softball fields there. So, yep. but that's the only time I really ever traveled other than Arizona. Okay. To play. Okay. So. Yeah, I've been to Reno for softball. Uh, Arizona, obviously for baseball. Vegas, which those I didn't like those fields because it was all city fields for Vegas. So, and they're equivalent to what we play on up here. Okay. It wasn't. They weren't good. Hmm. So, um, so but I, I don't. Nowhere else. We've gone over to Lacey. Well, they have the uh, one in. Is it Palm Springs, or? Well, they're or? they're requiring everybody be vaccinated to play. Oh, okay. So a lot of. I teams, thought Florida was kind of the rogue state. Like, no, well, Palm there. Springs is California. Oh no, sorry, not Palm Springs, but there's Orlando. One in, there's one in Orlando. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nope. Yeah, that one's good to go. Which we actually thought about that instead of going to Vegas to go there, but 
it's it costs a lot more and i don't know if i'm gonna have enough saved up yeah. after you know single dad of three yeah you know you got christmas and then new year's yeah. and then try to save up i so. get my week off in arizona if i try to ask for more than that i might get punched <laughs> in the face so <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to set up. We're trying to set up, and and I can get away with it because uh, we're trying to set up for the forty fives. But I can work as I'm on my way down. Yeah, that's we can nice. go to Vegas, so I'm not missing any work. So for me, it's just I got to have my mom come up and watch the kids, and then I can still work. But right. and it's, I took my daughter last year with me. She loved okay, it. she loved it. She nice. loved Fremont Street. Yeah, that, well, that's the place to go over there. That's yeah. I love that. The she old loved Vegas. The, old Vegas is the the spot. What's that's is that Fremont. is that Fremont? That's old okay. Vegas okay. over there, like with like the four queens and all that kind of yep. stuff. Yeah, that's yep. that's the old. She Vegas. wanted to ride the the, the zip, zip line, line across. Across. Have you seen that? Yeah, they got the zip line and the light show over there, and I guess there's a I don't know if it is four queens or not that has like the aquarium with the huge water slide. Water. Uh, there's some kind of. I've never I don't know one before, of the but. one of those casinos. I thought I thought that was what the what that was. It might be because it's got they had um they had they were strict down there when we were down there. Pat had on like a pair of panties as a as a mask. I I don't <laughs> I don't. It might have been a shirt sleeve, but it looked like a pair of panties. I don't know. Pat would have to ask answer that one. But it, he had a good, he was drunk that that night. Well, it's Vegas. <laughs> It's Vegas. Not as not as drunk as when we were in Arizona. We went to some. We were in Old Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. Had went to some uh, taco cantina or something. Okay. I, it was it was down there. It took us two and a half hours just to get our drinks. Oh wow! So when Pat finally got his drinks, we were going to order food, and then nobody came. We're like, screw this, we're gone. Well, he orders this margarita that four people are supposed to sip on this margarita because it's a fishbowl. Yeah. He's like, and we're like, we're bouncing. And Pat's like, what am I I supposed to do with this? (laughs) So we figured he was just going to carry it out, put it on his shirt, you know, something. Oh, no. He goes, sucks it up like a goddamn 7-Eleven Slurpee. Smart move. And he is (laughs) toast. Pat was toast. We lost. Yeah. We lost him that night. Yeah, or was that our first year? No, that was our first year. We lost. I lost him downtown Scottsdale. Oh, actually lost L- him. Lost like, him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like. He's like. I gotta like go take a phone call. Lost Pat. Where is so he? So I was like, I figured he'd just go outside, right? Uh, just go outside, and make the phone call, come back in. Pat calls me like forty-five minutes later and says, "I don't know where I'm at," and I'm like, <laughs> "I know how to get to the front door of this bar." That's what I know. I don't know any streets. It's like, all right, all right. What street are you on? And I'm trying to Google map where he's at, right? He doesn't know. He, he can't see the street signs. Yeah. So, all right. So, we start walking around. Well, this bride's party of of pink dresses go by. Bride's party is all over the place down there. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> it's, it's a really good time. Not well, for well, married Scott guys. Sales. It's boring for married guys. Yeah, it's super boring. Super boring. So this gaggle of girls walks up, and I'm like, Pat, do you see this gaggle of pink dresses going up? He's like, no, I don't see nothing. I was like, shit, all right. And then he turns around. Oh, I see him. I see him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited as can be. Yeah. So I said, all right. I said, you just keep walking back. I said, you can say hi to them as you're walking back, but just make you it just back follow this way. This way. Yeah. And then we met each other. But, yeah, he was gone for about an hour and a half. Mm. We lost him. Yeah. Well, I know where he's coming from. I have a good buddy that I grew up with here in Spokane that moved down there with his family a long time ago. And uh, I used to go down and visit him every year just to hang out. And he worked at, on Mill Ave down in Tempe. And uh, 
he started off like bar back and went into bartending and stuff. So I would go down there and just like drink for free, sit there while he's working, you know, bullshit with his friends. And, uh, one of the nights, um, I ended up going out with some of his friends while he was closing up the bar, which doesn't close until like, he doesn't get out of there until like three thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So like I went out and it was one of those blackout nights and I woke up in a sorority house at like five in the morning. I only had like an hour of sleep or so, but I was like, I don't know where I am. <laughs> and, I, and nobody was right. It was just me. And, um, whoever else was just sleeping around everywhere. But, uh, I ended up calling him. I'm like, Hey dude, I don't know where I'm at. And then he, him and his mom came and picked me up. Cause at the time he lived with his parents and, that was that was a rough ride home. His mom yelled at me like, <laughs> "You could end up dead down here." And oh man, this is the last time I got black. How, how old were you? Uh, twenty, mid twenties. Okay, yeah, was, was, still good to go. You're no, yeah, you're good. Not yeah. an adult yet. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I was a mess. So yeah, it was because uh, I might have been. Can't remember if I was still in the military at that time, or if it was like. No, yeah, I was still in. I was still in the military, so I was probably like twenty-three. Okay, you know, I was, you know, I was actually at that age where I could hang out down on Mill Ave and not be a creeper. Just good looking, <laughs> in shape, just yeah. Look, so I'm a marine. Yeah, so it was just like, <laughs> yeah. And I got I got yelled at pretty good by his mom, and then, but now going down there, I don't even want to. Like we went out in Scottsdale a couple times. Okay, and Scottsdale's just, Scottsdale's it's, fun. It is just crazy. It is the. The nightlife is nuts. It's just not for me. I'm like a I'm like a dive bar, yes, shuffleboard kind of guy. Yes. No, and <laughs> like the, the last two years, we would go down there, like the Dirk's uh, Whiskey Row. So we'd walk around all there and order drinks and have fun. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. That, it was a lot of fun. This year was different. It's like God, the music's kind of loud in here. Yeah, man, I can't, man. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> smell weed. I'm like, it was different. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's. Uh, I want to go back to my twenties. That's when, just that's one when night. you know you're old, when you yeah. don't even want to be out there. Like, yeah. You got a, ni- a lot of nice views and stuff, but it's just too loud. Well, we and had that. We had a uh, Nubu sushi. So we had an amazing dinner beforehand, and then we and then we went out. But I was like, I'd love to find a shuffleboard. I'd love to find, yeah. you know, some pool I don't pool even know if they've something. even heard of that down there. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's like dance club after dance club after dance yep. club. And it's, and it's fun. It is. Yeah. It is fun. Uh, the twenty fives that come from here, that's where they want to go. Is down there. Yeah. So. Well, that's when I first got <laughs> down there this year. That's the twenty fives were just getting done. I think they had played in a championship game and yep. lost. Yep. And uh, eight to four, twelve to four. I think it was eight to yeah, four. So we like I went out with some of those guys, and it's a whole different animal. Like I, I'm not in my twenties anymore. No. I can't hang with that. I was just like limping around. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I just want to go later. You guys go. I'll catch up. Yeah, I'll catch up. You guys yep. go. So ah, still fun for me though. Yeah. Whatever. I'm down there. It's nice weather. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hang it's out a lot better than the 40s chill. we had up here. Yeah. So uh, just to wrap things up, what being in the being in the military, being firefighter, you know, playing ball and being mature. What is one thing you want to pass on to your son, your sons, as as a learning tool, you know, you've got your work ethic, you've got your disciplines, but what's one thing you, you teach your sons from all of your experiences? Um, so my kids specifically one of them, but both of them are very competitive, um, in 
everything. Like they just can't dial it back. Um, one of my oldest is so competitive to the point where he tries to like sneak in like a little cheat or something, you know? So like, um, just instilling like the honesty and there's no honor in like cheating your way through anything. Um, playing sports fair, working hard. Um, you can't just expect to have everything given to you. Uh, so if you want to do something, then you need to work hard to get it. Um, just responsibility, hold themselves accountable. Don't, don't have other people hold them accountable, like be accountable to themselves. So, um, and I think that a lot of that will set in a lot more because I want them to do team sports. And I think you learn a lot in team sports and that's kind of where I'll just kind of be there to guide them in that direction. So they're, um, just honest kids and stay competitive, have that drive, but do everything the right way. Um, and have the drive to work hard at it. Like don't just sit around and expect that you're going to be good. Yeah. If you want to do anything, sports, school, if something's hard and challenging, tackle it. Like don't, don't shy away because it's difficult. Um, just go, go with things head on and, uh, just be good people like to others, you know, respect, uh, that kind of stuff. Just your basic values that you would have as a, as a human being, mm-hmm. you know, just treat people with respect and, and be the best person you can be. That's where my, my so. son is at. Just trying to keep teach him to be humble. Yeah. You know, you're going to win games, you're going to lose games, but it's how you play the game is what I'm trying to get in him because yeah. he is so competitive and then his emotions kind of run a little bit. Yeah. Or else if it's me and him, he'll change the rules. Yeah. As we go through it. I'm like, yep. no, no, we, we started with a set. You don't yep. get to change the rules just because you're losing or, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're trying to keep the win or whatever. Yep. It's that, it's just like you said, that honesty of winning the right way. Yeah. It's like basic things. Like just before I came over here, um, we were sitting down and playing skip bow. I don't know if you've ever played yep. that, oh, yeah. but we're playing skip bow and, um, he was going through his hand and he used something out of like off of his, um, I just learned how to play it, but it's like your discard pile. He put his card from his discard pile on when he could have gotten rid of something off of his stockpile, which you're trying to get rid mm-hmm. of. And after, and he went like three into it and realized that he could have done it because I don't know how he even thought of it. Like if it was me, I would have just kept going, but he realized it and he's like, Oh wait. And he started picking everything back up. I was like, you can't do that, bud. Yep. You're already going. <laughs> you don't know where this was at. You got to put the card back in the same spot. And he constantly like will argue. <laughs> okay. Yep. Like like buddy, that's that's I know it was a mistake on your part, but what you're doing right now is you're cheating and I got to kind of explain that to him. So working through that cuz he gets super emotional about it cuz he wants to win yep. at everything. It doesn't matter if it's a game of luck or a game of skill. <laughs> yep. Um so that's that's it's tough, but I just constantly just tell him like, "Hey, if you cheat, nobody's going to want to play. Like you just need to do it the right way. You're good enough, you're smart enough just do it the right way. And if you lose, you lose. It's like, we're just playing for fun, you know? Um, so I'll get to the point where it's like competitive. So I'm sure I'll be working with him for until he's like 50. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, just constantly trying to, you know, get, get that into him, like stay competitive, but just do it the right way. My, my so. two girls, my, my oldest daughter, she'll be competitive and she'll have that drive. And then it's, she flicks a switch. I'm just here for fun. 
Mm. My middle daughter, she's got one speed. She's got one gear. And it's she's not that competitive. She wants to win, but I'm not that competitive. My yeah. son, though, from the first pitch, the first kickoff, the first basketball dribble, whatever it doesn't. Yeah. He'll play floor hockey with a with a with a broken baseball bat and a basketball. It doesn't matter. He'll he'll be competitive in it. But it's he's got to be dead. Yeah, or he's got to be. And then his. I can't even are, walk from point oh. A to point B without him wanting to be ahead of me and beating me because <laughs> he thinks it's a race. And like, buddy, we're just. Yeah. We're just going to the store, you know. It's not a big deal, but that's just how he is. Yep. Uh, but it's also like on me too, as a parent, um, to dial back a little bit and realize, like, I don't want to be that crazy, crazy parent that's constantly trying to, like, shove stuff on him, and you need to be better than this or whatever. Yeah. I just want to be able to coach him instead of you know have these high expectations that you know that he's not going to be able to reach. But I, you know, it's finding that level ground of being, uh, you know, competitive as a parent and wanting the best for him, yeah. but also not pushing him over not, that edge. Not living your youth through your son. Exactly. That, exactly. that line yeah. right there. Yeah. And that's when my, you know, my ex-wife, that was, she didn't want me pushing. She knows how competitive I am, knows my playing ability, I guess. No. And she didn't want me driving my son. Mm-hmm. I'm going to brag about my son. A little bit. He has a lot of natural talent. Glove work. Just being, having the butt down, hands out front. Mm-hmm. Um, his swing a little bit. He is just natural for him. So yeah. I really haven't had to push anything on him. I'm trying to fine tune him. Yeah. But I haven't had to push, which has been, which has been nice. You sit so, back and give some pointers. You yeah. Know, like, oh, hey. And then he stopped listening to me because I used to coach. Because yeah. a lot of the dads, they just didn't know how to play the game of baseball. And yeah. they were just there. So I started coaching. And then it got to the point where my son didn't want to listen to me. That was hard. Yeah, that's going to be, I think I'm going to be in that boat come springtime. Um, Because this was his first, uh, both of their first year playing. Like we skipped T-ball together, went right to baseball. And uh, in spring, the coach that we had was incredible. Like what he does, he just works with kids. It's like what his job is. But um, he's just a good mentor, like just teaches good values to the kids, and he knows a lot about the game. Played on a state championship team at Shadle back in, like, 92 or 93. Um, So he's just really well-rounded. And he asked me if I would help him, you know, assistant with him come springtime. And that's kind of like, I'm excited for it. Like, I've never really... Have you coached before? uh, No, I wouldn't say that I really have taken on like oh yeah i am a coach i've just helped like i help out like i know a lot about the game so i can pull a group of kids aside and teach them some fundamentals on hitting or fielding or whatever it is but not officially a coach so i would be a a, like an official like assistant coach um so i'm excited about it but then it's also my kid's team and he's at the point where does he really want to listen to what i want to (laughs) say but i guess i could just you know leave him to coach and then I can just help out with the rest of the kids. And yeah, cause I do get that every once in a while. He doesn't want to listen to me. He's, he just, it's just, I've already heard this dad. I already know. I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) yeah. He told me that I was holding a ball wrong because he had heard from someone else how to hold a ball. And I, and I got an argument with him. I'm like, no, this is how you hold a ball. And I had to bust out like a YouTube video (laughs) to make him believe me. Like, here's a video. It's like five minutes long. And he sat there and watched it. I had to, throw a four seam you know just like how to grip a baseball 
And then he's like, okay. And then he finally believed me. And then he went and told the other coach, like, hey, you told me how to hold the ball wrong. <laughs> so I felt terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's that kind of stuff. Like, he's not going to listen to me unless I, like, prove it to him somehow. So we'll see. We'll see when springtime comes how, how it's going to be. One, one last story for me. My uh, college team, we did a fundraiser that we would coach youth football through the um, Jamestown Parks and Rec. So we had all these little kids, right? And I was one of the coaches of like one of the eight or ten teams, whatever we had. So the night before, I drew up all these plays, right? They're like they're like six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids for flag football. <laughs> I had plays. <laughs> we had a sweep. We had sweep right, sweep left. We had like a trap play. Ooh, we had a couple different screen plays, and I had both sides of a piece of paper. This is what we're gonna do. You got to line up here. You got to do this. And then, like, after the first set of, of downs, it was, all right, this doesn't matter. It's just here. You take the ball and you run. And, and, and I was like, God, I am so over my skis in this yeah. one because I had no clue. Yeah. So. Yeah, I saw that one that with uh, my kid's team that just coached. Like, we were down to, like, a third-string coach because some stuff happened. But it's the same one that was teaching him how to hold a baseball wrong. But uh, he was going th- working with pitchers because it was a first-time kid pitch, which is – I don't know if you've ever sat it's, through oh yeah. it. But it's, oh, it's, yeah. It's, I coached it. It's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> but he was going through all these mechanics and stuff and, like, just way too in-depth. And I'm just watching him. And uh, just like, dude, he's getting – he's telling his kids way too much. It's too much. Just tell him to throw the ball. Throw it hard. Yep. And you've got to keep it, it simple. Throw keep it hard it and throw it straight. And we can work on little stuff as we go. But, I mean, he overwhelmed them. And he had them, like, holding their foot up. So some kids were out there pitching, like, standing on one foot for – like a couple seconds before they threw the ball. Okay. And they'd be like losing their balance. Yep. Like, oh man, this is terrible. <laughs> but no. yeah, it's that kind of stuff. So I've learned that. Like, okay, don't overwhelm them. So I know, like, with kids that age, you know, when they're eight years old, just basic fundamentals. And like every practice we had, it was always situational play. It's like, we shouldn't even be in this right now. We should be in the, like, just, just how to get down and feel the ground ball and throw it to first base because that's, that's where we're going. Yep. And then, you know, like how to get under a fly ball or just a basic swing process, you know, hit off a tee, like Mine stuff was, like that. My, my was a dollar bill to get the arm to come across the body and not straight down. Put a dollar bill right here and make them grab that dollar bill. Okay. And that was something that they started to yeah. get the arm to come That'll all the way across through grab. Too. Yep. So now I see a lot of that kids don't want to, they don't want to move their hips or anything. It's, it's just their arm. They just want to. Yeah, they just don't want to move their body. It's real, yep. you know, they're not functioning right at that time. You know, they got to get them loose and make them use their entire body instead <laughs> of just, just yeah. their arms. So, yeah. Yeah. Good well, times. appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, we yeah, had uh, we had a steak dinner before coming down to the studio. Oh, so good. And uh, a couple beverages and yeah, thanks for having me. Baseball. So, and there was a lot. I didn't know you were in the military. Yeah, I didn't know there was a lot of stuff. So a lot There's of questions a lot, answered. A lot of, a lot of skeletons in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank yeah. you for coming on. No, thank you. And uh, can't wait to play against you again. Yeah, I can't wait either. It'll be a battle. <laughs> thank you, Justin, for coming on. Um, amazing, amazing story. Uh, I was uh, very impressed with the. I didn't know you were in the military. Then how you came a fireman, and then the 13-year career. I mean, that's just awesome to have you on. Thank you again. Um, guys, hit that like button for me. Hit that subscribe button. 
the notifications will come up, the new show is produced, and then you guys get notified. So hit that like button, download the show for me, go to the Facebook page, Little Extra Lambo, and hit that like button as well. So trying to get to that 500 listeners for the show, and then do 1,000, then 2,000, and so on and so forth. Uh, can't do it without you guys. Um, and uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. With uh, Thank you, Justin, for coming on. I am the Big Lambowski, Kevin Lammerding. This is a little extra Lambo. Peace. Peace.